If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. I want to speak to you, preach to you tonight on a little thought. It just simply says, wake up, Jacob, wake up. Um, and we want, to, we want to look at that tonight. A uh, little history as you're turning there uh, to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to be looking at, at this chapter, a little chapter before that as well. But uh, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 1, when you go back to verse 1, if you're, if you're at chapter 28, you can go back there. We're going to be looking at verse 10 through 15. But if you go back with me to verse number 1, you'll see that the scripture says, Then Isaac called Jacob, and he blessed him. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Isaac was the father. And charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. I want you to arise and go to Padam Aram, to the household of Bethuel, your mother's father. And take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you, and may he make you fruitful and multiply you. That you may be a, an assembly of peoples, and give you the blessing of Abraham. To you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Verse 5 says, So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram and to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Well, you to notice, and many of you remember this back in history a little bit in this, in this book here, that Abraham, the patriarch of old, you know, every time we read about this, you'll read scriptures that says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Abraham received two promises. One of the promises that Abraham received is that God was going to make him a father of many nations. I want you to remember that, a father of many nations. He also said, Abraham, I want you to go, and everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give you this land. Everywhere you can see, everywhere that you go, everywhere your foot trods, I'm going to give you this land. We know that through the scriptures that we read, and I love reading Genesis and all of that, and the stories of Abraham and Isaac and all of that, I... Uh, we'll, we'll find that Abraham struggles along the way. He had some issues along the way. He had some tough times along the way as well as you and I have along the way. Finally, we know that Abraham and Sarah have a son by the name of Isaac who is the promised son. And we all remember the story of Isaac, how he came about. Isaac marries Rebekah and they have twins. They have a couple of sons by the name of Esau and Jacob. Esau, the Bible says, was a man of the earth. He was, he was one of these guys who was a man's man. He, was, he loved doing outside things. He was a hunter. He, he loved just doing men's stuff. And uh, he, was, he was daddy's favorite, if you will. He was a sportsman, outdoorsman's uh, kind of guy. Turns out he's the kind of guy that we would, we would call around school. He's the jock kind of guy. He's the one that you know, was always popular in school. This is, the, this is Esau here. Jacob, on the other hand, was a little different. Jacob was mama's favorite. He was a mama's boy, if you will. He hung around in the kitchen, so to speak. Jacob was a trickster. He, and you remember this. He, was, he, was, he always tried to change some things out. He always tried to do things behind the, behind the back. He was born grabbing the heel. In fact, that's his name. His name simply meant the one who grabs the heel who hamstrings people. There was, there was two key moments in, in Jacob's life. The two key moments is this. Jacob extorts his brother Esau for the birthright. 
Esau was born first. He was sort of the older, if you will. He, and he sort of extorts the birthright of his brother. But also, Jacob follows his mother's instructions to trick his father out of the family blessing. Now, we know that as we read through Scripture, Esau, because of that, is ready to kill his brother. He doesn't like that. I mean, when he, matter of fact, he even made the statement in Scripture, when Dad passes away, buddy, it's, it's, it's me and you, and I'm, going, I'm coming after you. And so his mom hears this. He, he hears, she hears the strategy, tragedy going, uh, uh, strategy going on from, from Esau. And he, she arranges for Jacob to make a quick exit. And that's where we find this scripture, that we take this scripture here in Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. And, uh, and we find that, he, that Jacob, he, she, she cons, she cons uh, you know, the father here. I want you to go and find a wife. And I want you to tell the son here, I want you to go and find a wife in, in the homeland. Now, I want you to look here with me in, in chapter 28, verse number 10. We find that, that uh, as, he, as he went out from Beersheba and went, to, went toward Haran, he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night, the Bible says in verse 10 through 11. And I want you to notice that Jacob at this point, he's alone. He doesn't have anybody else with him. He's alone at this point. And you have to ask yourself the question, he come from a big family, a large family, so where is his family? Where are the maidservants? Where, where are the manservants? Where are the lads? Where's the donkeys? He's all alone. He got very, he's got very little with him. Jacob is on the run. He, he runs from his blemished past. And, and he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the Bible said the sun had begun to set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it under his head and, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Jacob is on the run. He's trying to get away from his brother. His brother's trying to catch him. His brother, if he did caught him, was going to kill him because of what took place. His, his name alone is, simply means trickster and con artist and all of those things. And the one who grabs the heel and all of that is, he, he, his passion is real, but his efforts are very regretful in what, what took place. His name alone that he carries, it, it couldn't be a, a pleasant name to even say who he was because of what his name represented, what his name meant. You've got to understand, back in biblical times, names were very important. They represented certain things. His own frustration is not, at not living up to his father's expectation. His parents are divided in their loyalty uh, to, to this son here. And there are very real unfinished issues that are at work in this family and these two brothers. And I dare to say that probably for us in family issues, there, there's some unfinished business that we need to take care of. There's some unfinished things, no doubt, that probably we have been a part of before, just like Esau and just like Jacob. He's on the run from broken relationships. His father, no doubt, is angry and disappointed. His, his mother was, must be worried to death about her son and safety. His brother, well, he just wants him dead. He don't care. He just wants him dead. And how ironic when you look at this story and you think about this, that he grabbed the firstborn's inheritance. He grabbed the firstborn's family blessing. And I don't have time to deal with the firstborn and the inheritance and all of that, but that's very significant. He grabbed the family blessing, but yet he cannot go home to get it. He cannot go home to claim it. He can't go home to fulfill the blessing of the firstborn. So he stops for the night, and he only finds comfort in a rock. Boy, that's pitiful, isn't it? He finds this rock. He has no, no pillow to lay his head on. 
Now, if you're like I am, I love my pillow. You know, my pillow's got to be just right, right? You, in order to get a good night's rest, I mean, your pillow's just got to be just, just, I mean, just right. If it's too flat, it'll mess you up. If, if it's too thick, it'll mess you up. It causes your neck to have problems. But when it's just right, whoo, you sleep, can't you? You can rest. And the only thing this guy can find is a rock to lay his head on. The rock is, is, is not a, a real good pillow because on this journey, he's not finding any comfort at all. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's unsure of how, of how anything he's ever wanted to come true. How in the world is all this stuff is going to happen? He's had all these dreams. He's had all these passions. He had all this ambition and zeal. And now he's on the run with only questions in his mind. He has worries. He has doubts. He has despair. Oh, that's everything that he's got, Brother Greg, to comfort. That's, that's all that he's got to comfort him. Sort of, sort of sounds like us a little bit from time to time, doesn't it? We don't think that there's nothing else out there that can comfort us. We have worry. We have doubt. We have despair at times. We have nothing else to, to comfort us in all of these things. And, and now we're on all alone, all those kind of things. We've been there before. We've been that alone. We've been unsure of the future. We've, we've been embarrassed of the past maybe. Nobody understands us. Nobody's been this way before. We're all out there in the middle of nowhere. There's no Motel 6 to go to. to, go to. There, there's no motel that's going to leave the light on for me. When I'm even going to show up, even the light is busted and it's and it's dark and all those kind of things. There's there's no XM radio where we can turn to our favorite listening station. All there's nothing out there. And notice, I want you to notice something else. He may hold the family fortune in his hands, but he doesn't seem to hold the family faith in his hands. He has the promise. He's got the birthright. He's got the family fortune, all of those things that's supposed to be bestowed upon him, but he can't go home to lay hold on it. You look in Genesis chapter 27, back up a little bit in verse 19. Jacob said to his father, listen, this is where the betrayal come from. Jacob said to his father, hey, father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Manipulative, lying to his father. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. I mean, not only is he bringing daddy in on it and, he, and bringing mama and got in, but now he's bringing God in that God done this and God done that when God ain't done anything at all. Jacob here, Jacob may have grown up in the father's house. He may have been the, been the direct descendant of Father Abraham. But it seems here that he has a little bit to share of their faith in God. He doesn't have as much as his daddy had. Jacob may be wide awake while he's running around. He may be wide awake trying to secure the future of his of, of who he is and his family. He's running away from his brother and even from his past. His eyes may be open, but spiritually he is asleep. He's asleep. And he doesn't even know it. The question I have for us tonight, church, is how many of us in God's house, not just necessarily us here, but in churches across America, how many of us in God's house that, that feel like we've got everything under control, but yet we're not awake? We've, we, we, we've got the inheritance, but yet we're not going home to possess it. We've got what God has promised us, but yet we, we can't make the journey back there because our past is too embarrassing. We can't make the journey back home because the things in our, in our life is just not measuring up the way that it needs to measure up. And he lays his head down and he closes his eyes as best as we can tell. And God speaks to him for the first time 
in his life. And this is where we pick up our scripture in Genesis 28, verse number 12. The Bible says, he, then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and, it, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, their father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will give to you and your descendants. God's making a promise here. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Understand, Just I just give you a little history about this guy. I just let you know about all the stuff that he's had to walk through, all the tricking stuff and all the con artist stuff, all the stuff that he's running from, and God is promising him that his descendants is going to be from the north and south, and in you and your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and you you will and, and, and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And verse 16 said, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. God speaks to Jacob through a dream. And in this dream, God promises to fulfill his covenant through Jacob. God promises I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow through on my promises. Hey, buddy, I'm just going to let you know I'm going to follow through on those things. I want to let you know that it's through you, Jacob, that I'm going to do this. In one sense, Jacob's ambition and his passion pays off. He's rescued the future of the family from Esau's leadership. I mean, do you really want to trust your family to a guy that sells his birthright for a bowl of soup? And so all of a sudden now God has promised him all this stuff and I, I, I've rescued the family. I've saved the family. I, Esau's not going to give it away. He's not going to sell the family fortune for another bowl of soup just because he gets hungry. You know, Esau, Esau is like, you want it? In other words, just I'm hungry, just give me the soup and you've got the birthright. He did not even, he did not even pay attention how much value was placed upon the birthright of the firstborn. Now listen to me, church. There's times in the house of God where, Brother Larry, I don't even recognize the value of what God has blessed me with. And I take these things for granted. I don't understand the value of what God is, what He's doing for me and my family. I, I, miss, I miss sometimes of the blessing that He sends my way of protecting maybe my family from this and from that and from some other thing. And I miss being thankful enough. We wake up every day and we take God for granted many times. And we wake up every day and God, you done it yesterday, so just go ahead and do it again. Without even giving him thanks, without even reverencing him, without even praising him for, 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 for honoring us, I guess. For protecting our family. Esau was this way. This, this, this is the way God works. He fulfills his promises. Listen to me. This is the way, this is the way that God, that, that we serve. He fulfills his promises through broken, mistaken people at times. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. God still wants to fulfill promises today. He still wants to fulfill covenants in your life today. The question is not so much where you've been. It's where you're going and who is going with you today. The question is not so much about your past. Oh, I know we've got a past. I know we've got some stuff back there that we don't like to talk about. It's not about our past. It's not about where we've been. It's simply about where. what are we going to do right now. If, once I know this information and once I get the, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, where am I going and who am I going with tonight? Amen. Because if you're just going by yourself, you're just simply taking a walk. 
And you're going to fall along the way. You're going to get off the trail. But if I can keep the Lord on my side, if I've got Him walking with me, Sister Park, if, I, if, I've, got, if I've locked elbows with Him, if I've, if I've surrendered everything to the Lord, then He's going to walk with me. And He's going to guide my steps. And He's going to lead me in the path that I need to go. And He's going to fulfill every promise that He's ever made me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's not a question where you've been, but where are you going? I want you to notice that that God does several things here for Jacob. He provided cover for him. He basically told Jacob, he said, look, look, buddy, you're not alone anymore. I'm going to protect you. He spoke to him for the first time. I know you're scared of Esau. I know you don't know all the safety hazards on the way, but I want you to know I'm going to protect you along the way. I'm going to watch out over you. I'm going to protect you even from yourself. Boy, that's a good, that's a good promise, isn't it? As we said this morning, it's not good for man to be alone. We get ourselves in trouble at times, right? And so we need, sometimes we need to have protection even from ourselves. Now, if you've traveled with my dad and Wendell, you need protection. <laughs> Amen or oh me. They, they say it. They, Wendell just looking at me. He ain't saying nothing, but he knows I'm telling the truth. <laughs> I've been with them before. And if you ain't careful, they'll hurt you. Growing up with dad, he'll hurt you if you ain't careful. Hold this stick while I do this sledgehammer thing. Mm, that's a bad thing, bad move right there. Do this. Hold this. No, bad, bad thing right here. And so we got we to have protection, but God is going to protect this guy here. He was going to stay committed to Jacob. I'm not going to stop until we get this thing done, in other words. I'm not giving up on you regardless of how this thing goes. My God, if somebody can get a hold of this, God's not going to give up on you tonight. I don't care how bad the thing gets. I don't care how bad it goes. God said, you're my child. I died for you. I love you. I ain't going to give up on you. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep looking forward. Just keep going to where the goal is keep going to where the prize is because come sooner or later there's coming a glory day come sooner or later there's coming a reunion day I'm going to step across the line and I'm going to receive my prize that God has blessed me with oh it's not always been easy it's not always been fun it's not always been good but if I hold on to my faith if I hold on to the promise someday it's going to come and I'm going to receive my reward how about you we'll give him praise one more time in the house <laughs> so God said, hey, Jacob, I'm going to take care of you. I'm committed to you. I'm not going to go look for somebody else because the promise is going to come through you. It's going to come through you. Well, you think about that. Jacob's identity here, his identity was beginning to change. His self-preservation uh, was beginning to change. His willingness to believe that God could actually pull this off was simply beginning to change. How many of you remember in your life when God showed up and you had that, you had that moment said, God, this, this really thing could work. <laughs> this relationship thing with that you it really can't, you're really doing it, God. And God says the same to you and I today. I'm not giving up on you. I'm committed to the end. And we read in scripture about the response of old brother Jacob. Brother Jacob was, he made a, he, he was made aware of God's presence. And he said, he said, surely. Surely the Lord, surely God is in this place. I mean, you think about it. How would your perspective change if you were to suddenly realize that God is in the house? Oh, somebody ain't heard, ain't listened, nothing I'm saying. We're sitting here tonight and it's a Sunday afternoon and we're just, we're taking our Sunday afternoon night, uh, nap. 
And we're still, some of us are still a little sleepy. And we ain't recognize that God's up in the house yet. Come on, somebody. But how would our perspective change if we realize that all of a sudden God showed up and he walked down the middle of the aisle? I want to tell you something would come alive in this place tonight. We would recognize that God is in the house. And when God is in the house, everything else diminishes. Everything else just, just seems to slip out of the way. God is going to watch out after us. He's going to protect us. He knows where we're going. And the Lord told Jacob here, I want you to understand, Jacob, everything is fixing to change. If the Lord come and sit down at your dinner table, how would it change? How different would be your dating, young people, if you knew that suddenly you would become aware that God is also on the date with you? Because he is. <laughs> he is. And Jacob here is, is struck. He's struck by an awe of God's presence. Now I want you to think about this. Don't, don't miss this. He, he has struck all the sun with an awe of God's presence. You know, when you have that sense of awe, it can be a powerful moment of change in our life. It can be a change. I had that change when I married Karen. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being serious. Because Karen can tell you, we dated for, I don't know, four years, I guess. I don't know how long. I didn't care. I didn't want to get married. I didn't, I didn't have a feeling about marriage. But all of a sudden, one day something switched in me. There was a sense of awe, I guess, or a light switch, one or the other. And it went off all of a sudden, and I said, hmm, I think I like this girl. I think I want to spend the rest of my life with this girl. I think I want to marry this girl. And it's been a ride ever since. Now I'm a grandpapa. Woo, hallelujah. I love being grandpapa. You grandpapas and grandmamas, you talked about all that stuff. I know what you're going through now. I love it. Man, I last week, Sister Ruth, I got so homesick. I'm not homesick, but babysick to see that little baby. She can't say nothing to me. She just look at me and grin. But when she looks at me and grin, Dwayne, you know what I'm talking about because your little baby does the same thing to you. You know, how many saw the picture on Dwayne when he was holding that little baby and they're both asleep during Thanksgiving time? Was it Thanksgiving or Christmas time? One day he was babysitting, but they're sitting there asleep. There ain't nothing like it. Now, Adam and Catherine says that when you hold this child, when, they, when she falls asleep, put her down. Uh-uh. Put her down if you want to. I ain't going to put her down. I'm going to hold her. Why is that? Because there's a sense of awe about it. It just feels so good to hold that little child. But I want to tell you something. There's something more special. When the Lord, when the God shows up in your life, there's a sense of awe that you can be struck with. It's an awe that reveals to us that we are not the shiniest thing in God's creation, nor are we even in the same league. Albert Einstein one time said, he said, He who can no longer pause to wonder is as good as dead. This sense of awe, it has the power to remind you and I of our own place in the grand order of things in this world. And suddenly all of our accomplishments and all of our talents and all of our shiny medals and all of our fans no longer have the same sway on us like they once had because we're struck by the awesome presence of Almighty God. And when God shows up in our life, it reorders our priorities. When God shows up in our life, it reopens our heart that was closed and was so cold. When God shows up in our heart, our souls are recommitted to serve Him like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. An awesome presence of God. And this is what happened to Jacob. There was a spiritual awakening that took place in his life. And it needed to take place. There was a spiritual awakening. For too long, Jacob had been running on autopilot. We do that at times. He took the family's wealth and, and comfort for granted. He just assumed that everything was going to work itself out. 
or perhaps even more telling, he assumed that, that if anything is going to happen, it's going to be up to him to make it happen. And he, he, he couldn't make it happen. And so he took this family future in his own hands. And now he's entirely alone, on the road, running from his mistake, running from his family. And he encounters God. I want to tell you if there's anybody else that we need to encounter today, it's God. We need to encounter God. We need to have an encounter of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God began to speak to him through a dream, as the Scripture says, in, in order to wake him up, in order to get him awake. He was running around wide open, but he was asleep. And maybe God, maybe God tonight is working the same thing in your life as well. Maybe for too long we've walked around, we've done our own thing with, with no attention to God's presence or power in our life. We, we, we've worked hard, we've played harder, and the entire time we ignore the gentle, constant love of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a pastor, and I'm just going to be transparent with you a little bit. As a pastor, I see that every week with people. They claim, Brother Roger, to be a child of God. They claim to love the God and I'm not saying that they don't but yet they've not woke up. They're still asleep in it. Anybody ever slept walk before? Sleep walk? Slept walk? I don't know if that's right how to say that. Sleep walking? You know, some of us we, 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 you know, you're not awake but I mean you're doing stuff. I mean you're, you're going around you're doing stuff as if you're awake. And as Christians sometimes that's how, that's how we, we feel. We, we, we're walking around but we're not awake. And we're not aware of the presence of what God is doing for us each and every, each and every day. And maybe, that's, maybe that's, that's what's going on in our life. And maybe we're walking through a time of, of lonely travel where, where the only comfort we can find is a rock for a pillow. Maybe that's the only comfort we can find. And as you try to find some rest, God is interrupting your dreams to make himself known. Maybe God is trying to wake you up as well. So what does Jacob do when... God gives him the dream. What, what does he do? He marks the encounter. He marks his territory. He, 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 he marks the encounter. He rose up early. The Bible said in Genesis verse 18, said he rose up early and took the stone that he had put at his head and he set up as a pillow and he poured oil on top of it. In other words, he made a vow. He made a vow. Jacob, verse 20 and 22 says, Then Jacob made a vow saying this, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillow shall be God's house. And of all that you sh- you'll give me, I will surely give a tenth unto you. I mean, change, things begin to change in Jacob's life. His perspective changed. His mindset changed. Everything began to change. And this is the only the beginning of Jacob's story. We could go on and on and on concerning how Jacob met up with Esau. And they embraced and the family come back together. And there was unity and, and families come in and children come in. They begin to see cousins that they didn't even know they had. They begin to see aunts and uncles that they didn't even know they had. They just come back together as a family. Why is that, Pastor? Because Jacob woke up. He decided to get up out of his old slumber and had his sleep and he decided to wake up and understand what God was doing for him in his life. And I submit to you tonight, church, if we'd do the same thing, there ain't no telling what God would do for us. Ain't no telling. Are you experiencing an awakening tonight from darkness to light? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, you know this scripture, but it's a very familiar scripture that says this, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live and when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. 
all of us who, who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul here is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he talks to this young church about their spiritual awakening. And he, he, he said, oh, you need to go from darkness into light. Once you gave yourself over to this, but no longer. Now that you're awake in Christ, do, get, get rid of that dark stuff. Get rid of all that stuff that you're involved in. Get rid of all that stuff that you've been a part of. And later in the same letter in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Can I just tell you that? That's what we need to do tonight as God's people. If you're here tonight and you're sleeping under the anointing of Almighty God, He's trying to come, He's trying to minister to you, He's trying to bless you, but yet you're just sleepwalking, you're walking around in your slumber, you're walking around in your sleep. Can you just do what Paul says in Ephesians? Wake up, wake up, O sleeper, get up from your dead, and let Christ shine upon you because if Christ will begin to shine upon you, you'll begin to tell somebody else about the love of the Lord. You'll begin to share your faith with somebody. You'll begin to talk to somebody about what God has blessed you with and how he brought your family back together. How he put unity in your house one more time. How he put love in your house one more time. There's power and strength in the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Musicians come. And we'll move from sleepwalking in the church to walking in faith. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been in the church for, for the better part of your life. And I know typically on a Sunday night we're talking to the church folk. Maybe, maybe you've been in the church for the better part of your life, but it's never, it's, it's never really made all that much difference to you. You've heard sermon after sermons on the flood. You've helped out with the VBS programs. You understood the story of Jonah and the well and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and about King David and his slingshot and mighty Goliath. And you've heard all those things. But if the truth were told, you're still spiritually asleep. You have no real personal contact with the Lord. You never really stepped into his presence. You, you've had no experience with the awesome presence of Almighty God. And as you sit here tonight, God is trying to wake you from your slumber. He's trying to wake us from our zombie state into something far greater than you've ever hoped or imagined. So what do we've got to do? We've got to do just like Jacob does when he shows up and he gives us a dream and he speaks to us. We need to mark the moment. We need to make the vow. God, if you have come and if you have touched me like I feel that you've touched me, then you provide what I need to make it the rest of the way. You give me enough strength to make it the rest of the way. You give me enough courage to go on. And when people come and they try to detour me, and when, when Satan comes and he tries to knock me off my horse, so to speak, God, you give me strength to stay up in the saddle. You give me strength, oh God, to ride forward in you. You give me enough courage, oh God, that I can look to you. I don't look to the left. I don't look to the right. But I keep my eyes upon you. I keep my eyes upon the prize because I want to Receive that crown that you've promised me. And so I mark the moment. And I mark the vow. And I make it. And I keep it. I keep it. I keep it. Now you know my feeling on this. When it comes to stealing and lying, I ain't got no use for folks that steal from you and lie to you. I'm sorry, I, I may need to change my attitude a little bit. I pray for them. Lord knows they need it. But I just, I ain't got, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hang around you if you steal and, and lie to me. Just not going to do it. You want to repent? That's one thing. 
But if you just want to keep on walking down that same road, we ain't going to be best buddies. Because <laughs> I can't trust you. How many times have we stood before the Lord? And Brother Johnny, God has spoke to us and he showed us dreams. And he has ministered it to us in a mighty, mighty way. And somehow, in some way, we've, like Jacob, old brother Jacob, we started sleeping again. We got out of church. We, we lose track with what God is trying to show us. And I believe in the house of the Lord tonight, not only in this house, but many houses, that God is trying to wake us up. He needs us to wake up. There's a lost and a dying world out there, and He needs us to wake up. He needs us to wake up. They're not going to look like us. You've heard me say this before. They ain't going to smell like us. They ain't even going to know how to sit in church like us. They're not because they've never been there. So it's up to us to to train them, to teach them. It's it's left up to us to try to get them awake because we need to be awake. You know, us us older folk in the Lord, we're supposed to be mature in Christ, right? And so it's up to me then to not expect them to act like me. That's been raised in church my whole life. Oh, I may not like what they're doing, but I got to teach them. I got to train them and use love in order to do it. Got to use love in order to do it. Jacob had to wake up. He's brought up in the home, he's brought up in a good family. Matter of fact, God turned this little, little guy around, Brother Keith, and he made it in the, in the, in the, in the great pronunciation of here the God of Abraham, of Isaac. And Jacob, the trickster, the con artist, he made it in those top three. Wow. If he can do that, there's hope for me. Hallelujah. If Jacob can make it there in that title, he, I, there's hope for me. There's hope for you. Because I was nothing. God saw me in my sin and he saved me anyway. He saw me in my junk and he picked me up anyway. And he set me on a path that I need to go on. Before we're so quick to judge, before we're so quick to condemn others, think about where you come from. Just think about where you come from. Oh, I've had people come up to me in churches before and say, Pastor, you need to talk to this one and that one because they've done this, this, and this. Well, maybe I do, and I have, but there's a lot of times I don't. God take care of those things. And who am I to judge? Who am I? Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd I'd be right there where they were, and they are. But because of God's grace, we're able to be here tonight. We're able to give Him honor, we're able to give Him praise, and we're awake in Him tonight and understand what the awesome presence of God is all about. He's awesome, amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we're so thankful for your touch tonight. We're so thankful for your mercy. We read about in this text, oh God, oh Jacob, had a good home, had a good dad, had a good heritage. No doubt he heard story after story of old brother Abraham. No doubt he heard stories of of the past and things and great exploits that you have done. But somewhere along the way, there's a difference between mom and dad. And they begin to plot against one another and Brothers came against one another, as sometimes families do. There were heartache and there were trouble. There was pain. 
There's some lying going on, some con artist stuff going on, tricking going on. And his name itself, God wasn't, wasn't too good. But yet somehow in some way, while he was alone with you, oh Lord, there's times that that's exactly what we need to do. We need to get alone with you. We need to get all the outside interferences out. We need to, God, just pull away and get alone with you. And if we have to, pull a rock up as a pillar just to lay on. And you begin to speak to this man. You begin to show him some things. You begin to promising him some things. And he woke up and made a statement that surely... God, it was in this place, and I didn't even know it. Let us be a little different than Jacob. When you show up, God, let us know it. Let us know it. Let us be a little bit different than Samson when he shook himself, and he didn't even know the presence of God had left him. Let us know that your presence is still with us. But God, you made a promise. Made a promise to this family. And then again, you reaffirmed that promise with Jacob that you made with Abraham and Isaac. And everywhere he steps, this land I'm going to give you, your descendants, your family is going to be as the dust of the ground. What a heritage. What a heritage. No doubt, God, you've given us promises in this house tonight. You've shared some things with us. Don't let us, O oh Lord, forget them. Don't let us take them for granted, but let us always look to you to fulfill the promises that you have made. And I'll thank you, and I'll pray, praise you. With every head bowed and eye closed tonight, I just feel like God wants me to ask you just a real simple question here. And I said before, I know that on Sunday night, I'm basically talking to the church. But church folk, listen to me while your head is bowed and eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need to arise. I need to awake. Why don't you just get up and come down to this altar tonight and just surrender your life over to the Lord? Well, Brother Danny, I would, but I, you see, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not accustomed to the church thing like you are. I wasn't brought up in church. It doesn't matter. The Lord is just calling you. He desires you to come. He wants to break bread with you. He wants to fellowship with you tonight. He loves you so much. I need to wake up. I need to wake up from my slumber. I need to get busy about my father's business. I need to work as if it's day because night cometh when no man can work. The Lord is coming and I need to work as if he's coming tomorrow. How would it change? How would things change in your life if you knew? I mean, you, if you just, if the Lord would open your eyes and you'd see him walking down this aisle tonight and sitting by you, what would change in your life? Because church, I, I know you know this, but he's here. He is sitting beside you. He is walking with you. What things need to change? What things need to change?
Father, settle this little thought in our hearts and our minds tonight. Settle it, Lord, in our hearts. Settle it. And let us, oh God, look to you. Let us look to you as our source. Let us look to you as our help tonight. Let us look to you as our strength tonight. Let us look to you. I want you to stand tonight. I want Sister Michelle to sing this little song. She's playing just a chorus or a verse through. And let's just leave this place tonight with, uh, with worship and praise on our hearts tonight as, she, as she's singing. Hallelujah.